Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. We are four months away from the start of the 2021 NFL football season. Thanks for joining us again on the, another episode of the Finsider Radio. This is the Jake and Josh Show. I am Jake Mendel. Joining me as he does maybe once, maybe twice, maybe three times a week if we're feeling it. Joshua Houts, how you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Jake. I'm glad that we got in a rhythm now and we are ready to, you know, do this pretty consistently. So I'm doing good, man. It's pretty hot outside, so I'm glad mm-hmm. I'm in here. But um, kids sleeping, ready to talk Dolphins football. How are you doing, man? I'm good. I'm good. I'm right there with you. It's starting to get a little warm out. And um, Dolphins, the rookies reported to minicamp. Uh, most of the players, in fact, reported to minicamp. And there was a few comments going on about that. How I think it was the Dolphins had roughly 70 players there at the minicamp. And it brought up an interesting uh, question. With 70 players going, and, and none of them, I, I think it was just the rookies had to go. Everyone else was there uh, voluntarily. What is the culture of the Miami Dolphins turning into, Josh? Because I was thinking about this, and you could think that, yeah, everyone just wants to be there. They want to work together as a team, and they want to strive towards the goal of winning a Super Bowl. While that is very true, every team wants to win a Super Bowl. So I kind of wanted to dig a little deeper, and and I came up with the conclusion, Josh, that for those 70 people, for everyone on the Miami Dolphins roster, except uh, maybe, let's say, Tua and the first— and the 2021 draft class because I think those uh, have to be excluded. Would you be surprised of anybody on the Dolphins roster on any given day? You just wake up and it's saying uh, you read a tweet that says they've been traded, they've been moved, they've been cut, whatever it may be. Because it kind of seems to me like this is a team that understands that it's a business and understands that these things are important to get you know, the most out of your contracts, the most out of your uh, salary. And the Dolphins are showing if you can't do it, we're going to find somebody else who will put in that extra time and put in that effort and reward them eventually. And of course, you know, I'd say Tua and I'd say that uh, first uh, year players, but at the same time, whenever those guys are traded from any team, no matter what, it's a surprise. So I didn't think it was fair to include them. Yeah, man. I mean, it's just, again, goes back to the culture. And I guess what Brian Flores and Chris Greer are building here. I mean, it truly is. You know, if you're not getting your job done or they even have any opportunity to improve the position, you know, they're going to go out there and do it. I think, you know, you originally started by saying how 70 players reported to camp. I don't know that they had to, like you mentioned. And I do think that there was some dialogue between the players and the coaches there that they're going to limit some of those uh, workouts, you know, throughout the summer months to make them a little easier for players. So, again, I don't know the full details there, but, uh, you know, it's just nice to see that the way the coaches and the players are kind of almost working together. And, again, it seems like a family. It's just a whole different culture here in Miami. But to your point, we could wake up tomorrow and Xavier Howard could be traded or, you know, the the next guy. So, um, again, it's just a testament to what they're doing here. And um, if you're not getting your job done, they're going to find someone that will. Josh, you wrote a story about this up on the Finn Sider. The Miami Dolphins today announced that they have been awarded quarterback Trey Williams off waivers from New Orleans. Josh, you wrote a story about this. Can you kind of walk me through what the Dolphins are getting here? And more importantly, why does Brian Flores want to 
catch every single cornerback that he possibly can. Yo, he's clearly Ash Ketchum, and he's trying to, you know, be the very best that no one ever was. But every time there was a defensive back available, it seems like the Dolphins have interest. I can't sit here and tell you whether or not this was a guy that they were targeting after the draft ended, but um, he was originally going to sign with the Saints, did not pass his physical there. So the Dolphins swooped in and got him. And I'm looking over his uh, profile here again. I'm bringing up that pro football focus um, draft guide, and it says he had a 74.9 overall grade last season. Played 352 snaps, 179 in run coverage, 168 in coverage, and then he had 17 tackles. And then goes on to say he's an elite all-around athlete, a physical player. Best slot trait was blocking up wide screen blocks. He has easy mirror ability and can change direction for a taller player. But it goes on to say, you know, he isn't very good in the slot. You know, um, they didn't know how he would translate to the NFL game. It says he's a fourth round projected player. So I think the Dolphins saw a player that had talent that can come in here and, and whether it's play safety, whether it's special teams or whether it's, you know, even can coverage a little bit. I think that he could go out there. And again, you're going to bring in as many bodies as you can. Let those guys let the cream rise to the top. And uh, again, Trill Williams. Why not? Why not him? Right. Exactly. He was also the ACC Defensive Back of the Week uh, for his performance against Georgia Tech in 2020. He uh, returned a pick six in that game. And you kind of hit the nail on the head by mentioning he's an athlete, right? It seems like Brian Flores, the staff, that that's the main focus. They're going to bring up people who are just incredibly athletic and work it out from there, figure out what they're good at, figure out how they can put them in uh, situations to succeed and maximize that athleticism whether it's, you know, out of a break, whether it's shadowing someone, like you mentioned, uh, uh, kind of putting those things into place. Josh, uh, Dolphins beat writer Armando Salguero uh, brought up some drama today, let, let, let's say that, where he, being May 20th, it's the dead of the uh, offseason, the draft is over, there are going to be some mini camps, but I mean, other than hot that, we're just, season. it is hot take season, it is hot weather and hot take season. Uh, he's going on this little rant here on Twitter about uh, Chan Gailey, uh, the Dolphins wanting some uh, continuity at the offensive coordinator position. Can you kind of explain to me what's happened here? I, I wish I could. I mean, I sign on Twitter and everyone is just up in arms about this. And, you know, I admittedly I'm trying to be better. So I have a couple tweets saved in my draft. But to me, it just seems crazy that anyone could sit here and think that the Dolphins main goal in hiring Chan Gailey was continuity because to me and to everyone else, it seemed like that hiring was 100 percent to get Ryan Fitzpatrick to have his best season possible last year to help groom Tua Tagovailoa into that role for the next season. So I don't think that at any point when the Dolphins signed Chan Gailey again, I'm not going to make any jokes about him being a dinosaur or archaeologist having to dig him up or whatever I may have had in my drafts. But the point is um, to think that they brought in a guy out of retirement, again, to, to, to coach that one season with Ryan Fitzpatrick to be, you know, that offensive coordinator, what, alongside Brian Flores for the next 10, 20 years? I mean, that's crazy to me. So, again, I think it's hot take season. I think it's just a way that these beat writers can try to spin any type of negative spin on Tua Tagovailoa. So for some background information here, uh, his story is basically titled, I mean, the title is going to tell you everything. If the Dolphins are installing a new playbook, what happened to continuity for Tua? Uh, to put that in context, I believe it was Miles Gaskin. He spoke earlier in the week, and he said that the Miami Dolphins are going to be doing a lot of new things. The, the playbook feels incredibly new from what he's looked at. Uh, so basically, it sounds like Studsville and Godsey, uh, the two new offensive coordinators, are kind of you know, putting things into their own context, it seems, uh, in terms of the playbook. Because I think what Gaskin said here, too, there was a lot of it. Uh, let, me, let me kind of scroll through the uh, quote here. A lot of the coaches call the same thing or have the same thing, but call it different wording around it, especially when you're watching film. But it's definitely different. I mean, you can kind of pick and 
pick things out of this quote and say it's a new playbook. But then there are lines, like I just said, where things are going to be a little different. But at the end of the day, the you know the plays you run are, are relatively the same. Uh, so first and foremost, I think there is a little bit of continuity here. I think Flores has even said that that playbook that Gailey used uh, is going to be quite involved with what the Dolphins are going to be doing moving forward. So I just kind of think it's a, it's a weird take. Obviously, it stirs the pot a little bit. Um, but but overall, I think I look back to, you know, the Ryan Tannehill era, uh, 2012, Mike Sherman sleeping uh, during meetings and all that jazz. And then you bring in Bill Lazor and, and things were instantly better. Right. Um, but I wouldn't say they were completely different. There were some pre-snap movements and things like that. Uh, so I don't think it's crazy to have different offensive coordinators come in. It's not keeping the same one if they're not doing their job, if they're not great. I mean, we spent maybe three, four, five different podcasts last summer talking about what's the future it have for Chan Gailey. If you are drafting someone like Tua, you're not locking him up with Chan Gailey to be the offensive coordinator, right? You know he came out of retirement. You didn't think he'd be here for a long time. So I don't think the Dolphins ever thought of Gailey as that long-term replacement. But instead, like you said, a foundation, whether it's with Ruth, Fitzpatrick, learning with Tua, or even grooming the next offensive coordinators that maybe Brian Flores knew these guys just needed a year uh, to really establish themselves as possible play callers uh, ahead of those at the head of those offensive uh, meetings. So, Josh, I think it's a little weird to kind of bring up these takes, and I get where you can tee up a take like this and say it and get a lot of clicks, but, but even when you bring up what Gaskin said, I mean, it, it's not as complex or this crazy or detailed of an issue as it really is and, and I think you're right and I think it is naive to sit here and think you know that the Dolphins are just going to you know after some of the success that Tua had last year just say you know what screw that we're just going to completely nuke this entire playbook and not keep some of those concepts and those schemes and those those plays that worked last year I mean we saw it in some games it did look like there was an entirely different playbook called for Tua Tavolo and he went out there and executed so yes they're going to sit here and they're going to pick and choose but to think that there's no continuity I mean they got he's got George Godsey there you know he's got Eric Studsville there there's definitely continuity um and just to touch on one thing with the whole Miles Gasket thing, I have a couple quotes here. He said, for the running backs that were here, the playbook has changed. It's so much different than it was a year ago. But being around E, you see his offensive mind would sit in a room with him. I've been around E for a while, so I know that what he wants it to look like. He then went on to say, it's a whole new playbook. It's not the same as last year. I think everyone is just open-minded and soaking it all in. So again, I mean, he says he's saying it's a whole new playbook, but again, I don't think that any of us can sit here and think that you know none of these plays are going to be anything like what we saw last year. So um, it's just again, I think a way for honestly the Miami Herald to drive up some clicks and to get the Dolphin fan base up in arms because we saw it all off season. I mean, Pro Football Focus has absolutely found the exact nerve to hit with the Dolphin fan base, and you can't tell me that that's not showing up in some of those clicks. So um, Dolphin fans just need to take a step back and not get pissed off at everything that these guys write. But at the same time, you know, Armando Guerra should be writing better articles than this, in my opinion. It does give you something to talk about, though, because I think this isn't going to be the first or last time that uh, this is a conversation that's brought up about uh, Tua having two different offensive coordinators. I think he always seemed to have a different offensive coordinator at Alabama, the way those coaches kind of just stay for a year or two and then go off and get their own programs. So, I mean, it is, you know, you'd love to have the same guy, right? You'd love to hire an offensive coordinator and have him be the guy for 10 years. And realistically, for good or bad, that just isn't the way the NFL works, right? If you're good enough, you're going to go get a head coaching job. Hell, if you're, <laughs> if you're even a little... You know, if you smell one of Sean McVay's farts, you might get a coaching job. I, exactly. I was going to say, you could even be a little more on the mediocre end. And just because you're an offensive coordinator who knows someone like Cough, Cough, Peyton Manning, uh, you're going to get a job or multiple jobs. And then on the other end, if you see someone who isn't doing a great job, 
And, and on top of that, Josh, we kind of felt last year that there were two different playbooks for Tua and then for Ryan Fitzpatrick. So wouldn't you kind of assume that this year that while you're going to implement the same things and do what Tua is comfortable with, you're going to make these new plays that are specifically created for an offense that not only features Tua, but two speed guys like uh, Waddle and, and um, Fuller. Will Fuller. I don't know why I couldn't think of that to save my life right now. But you're going to have plays and, and schemes that look different when you're implementing these speedy players combined with the physicality of the Preston Williams and the Devontae Parker and Mike Gesicki's. You would think so. And I just want to, you know, before we close the book on, I guess, this whole offense corner situation, do you think that this is kind of, I mean, we're sitting here listening to Gaskin. He's talking about Coach E. He's talking about Studsville. And Brian Flores also alluded to it. If anything were to happen last season, Studsville was in line to call plays. So um, do you think that there's anything here that's kind of, uh, I don't know, maybe hinting at Eric Studsville calling plays? Because I don't see George Godsey's name in here. And, yes, he's not the running backs coach. But you would think if, you know, it, you know you'd think you'd see more about Godsey in here instead of how big of an, a great of an offensive mind that Studsville is. Am I just reading into this too much, Jake? I think we have to read into it because we have nothing else like this, right? There haven't been, you know, hundreds upon hundreds of examples of co-offensive coordinators and how that really operates. So we're kind of trying to pick up on any little um, hint uh, of direction as we can. There is one quote here from Gaskin uh, where he says, but just kind of see what E. Eric Studville's input has been. on it, talking about the offense, along with George Godsey, how they come together and bring one offense together. I think, obviously, surprised with some things, excited for some things, but at the same time, I've been around E for a while, so I know what he likes and wants, and what he wants things to look like. So, yeah, you can kind of see where maybe uh, it's Sudville's offense, but Godsey adds that, you know, icing on the cake or something like that, where these there's some established ideas, but they're both of these guys bring that little bit of creativity that hopefully has defenses on their heels and maybe creates an offense that you can't really game plan for because it can do a lot of different things. Yeah, I mean, I know people, sometimes there's too many, what, too many cooks in a kitchen. I think that's the saying. I mean, in this situation we see in college, you know, some of those prolific schools have had success with these co-coordinators. So I'm ready to see the way it plays out, but to think that, you know, there's no continuity at all or to think that this is somehow hindering to a tongue of that's crazy to me, Jake. So unless you have anything else you want to say, we can jump into a break and then we can uh, talk about pro football focus podcast and a little bit about the Miami Dolphins schedule coming up. Sounds good to me. That's roll. This is advertiser content brought to you by Frito-Lay. Hello, I'm Chip Murphy, here to get you ready for the big tournament. Tonight we'll break down... We break down who will be cutting... Cut! What are you two doing? Sorry, Chip. Prez here got his feathers ruffled when I told him Ruffles has zero chance of winning the title. And I was letting Dip know that she is not taking into account Ruffles' iconic ridges. Guys, it's March. We have to start talking about the tournament. We are... It is the 2023 Frito-Lay Snack-It. We're talking about big-time matchups between Cheetos, Smart Food, Lay's, Sun Chips, and more. Just head to the Frito-Lay Snack Bracket and vote for your favorite chip, pretzel, or dip for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. This sounds great. Keep up the good work. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends 4-3-2023. Void wherever hip. Here's worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. 
And Jake, we heard from Miles Gaskin. We also heard from Alandon Roberts, who said that a knee injury might not have him ready for the start of the season. So again, he was absolutely stoked to be back with the Miami Dolphins. We love to have a thumper like him in the run game. But to hear that Landon Roberts is not the ankle, it is his knee, and he might not be ready for the start of the season. Do you have any thoughts on that? I heard a quote earlier this week, and it said, um, it was basically highlighting the point that teams get better, or good teams get stronger as the season progresses, right? And that means you're going to deal with injuries. We've talked about it at length. Uh, every team is going to suffer injuries. And, you know, whether it's Roberts misses four weeks at the beginning of the year or four weeks in the middle, um, you have to assume players are going to miss time. So I'm not too, too worried about it. I think the Dolphins have done a great job uh, really establishing depth at the middle linebacker position where if Roberts needs a little time to get ready, that's perfectly fine. Uh, there was a story by Barry Jackson where Roberts really spoke about how um, – this was his first time really being hurt, uh, so so go give that a read, and, and it kind of puts his injury into perspective. But, yeah, Josh, obviously, you would love to see him out there. You'd love to see him uh, in the field during the mini camps and pre the preseason and at the start of the season. But, I mean, he's still going to be around the team, and when the Dolphins need him to, you know, stop the run in week seven or eight or, or whatever it may be as they push towards the playoffs, I think he'll be ready and probably one of the more healthy guys on the team. Yeah, and it's a great point that you mentioned. You know, the Dolphins aren't relying on Landon Roberts. You know, they don't need a Landon Roberts at the start of the season. I think it was Jason Sarnia of Finns Maniacs. He tweeted out that the Dolphins have 11 linebackers on the roster. I just want to throw out an Landon Roberts quote from his press conference. He said, I think me and the Dolphins, we knew that we wanted to be part of a family, and we made that happen. So that's what he said about the whole signing. I thought that was cool because, again, the Dolphins are kind of, um, you know, we know the history of Roberts and Brian Flores. So I was excited to see him come back because he will add volume or he will outvalue late in the season. We're talking about the linebackers, Jake, and we have to transition to Jalen Phillips, who is now officially listed on the roster as a linebacker. He gets to wear that fancy number 15 because of that. But here's what Jalen Phillips said when he, when he was notified that he was going to be a linebacker. I found out, obviously, when I got here and started doing meetings and everything like that. But honestly, I'm working a bunch of stuff right now. Obviously, the starting phases of practice is really just technique, fundamentals, and that really transitions over no matter what you're playing. Right now, I'm just trying to learn the playbook and fit in where I can get in. So, um, Jake, I, I don't know how you feel about that, but, I mean, to me, the first thing I thought when he was listed as a linebacker, outside linebacker on the, the depth chart was, oh, that was to get him that number 15 jersey. But to me, you know, um, obviously there's a much bigger picture here, and I'm excited to see what Brian Flores has in mind. So what are your thoughts on him being listed as a linebacker? And Brian Flores has shown that where you're drafted doesn't have nearly any impact of if you're going to play a lot on the team. So what I kind of took away from this is where he's trying to do all the different things he can. So, Hey, maybe there's some snaps where he's going to be rushing the quarterback, of course, but if he can find a way to be on the field in coverage, find a way to be on the field against the run. I mean, these are just ways that he can become a full-time starter. I don't think we should expect that out of him for year one, but I think this is a great way to get him involved in a lot of different ways and give him every reason to stay on the field as much as possible. Yeah, and I really love that that's probably what they're trying to do here. They realize that he's a versatile player. I mean, you saw him play with his hand on the ground. You saw him play with his hand, you know, he's standing up in at Miami. So I, he can do a little bit of everything. And I think what's most exciting and you have listed here is the packages along with the rest of those pass rushers. You know, we got Andrew Van Ginkgo who's getting ready to take that next step. You got Emmanuel Agba, who looked like he was have, on pace to have one of the best seasons that he's had in how long. They brought in Bernardrick McKinney. You know, uh, Jerome Baker looked like an awesome edge rusher. So, I mean, we're starting to see the talent here. And, you know, unfortunately to me, and we'll talk about this in another podcast, but at some point, you know, the Dolphins are going to have to re-sign a Van Ginkgo. They're going to have to re-sign Jerome Baker. And, you know, at some point we're going to have to – 
uh, we're going to have to move on from some of these guys that, you know, Dolphin fans love. But I'm excited to see where Jalen Phillips fits in. And, you know, whether he has his hand in the dirt, whether he's coming off the edge, I think this is going to be, in my opinion, this is going to be that rookie that's going to make the biggest impact in 2020. And when all is said and done, again, if the medicals check out, I think this is going to be the best player of this class. Yeah, and you just kind of wonder who's going to really rise to the top here. You mentioned a lot of these guys are under contract forever. So is it going to be Van Kinkle who gets that um, contract extension? Obviously, we don't have to worry about Phillips for four, maybe even five years, depending on how good he is. Uh, but, I mean, Agba, I think he's got one year under one year left on his contract. The same is true for McKinney. So, I mean, it's just really about which guys step up and take control of that job. And, you know, that's that competition you really look for. All these guys are trying to get paid and, you know, Either they'll go out, ball, and get that contract they deserve, but it's also the possibility, you know, they get the Andre Branch pyramid scheme where you ball out for one year and then you kind of make money off it for the next three. So that is definitely an opportunity there too. Yeah, I hate that Andre Branch pyramid scheme. Um, But Jake, I I guess that's kind of, you know, we're talking about the linebackers and there being 11 guys here and the cream rise and it's the same thing with the receivers i mean and we're just you can go down the list i mean it's almost like the dolphins are just saying you know let's just bring in all these guys and let's see them battle it out and um you know who can be upset with that we just mentioned the cornerbacks i mean they just added another cornerback as they continue to you know just bring in guys that are gonna it's gonna breed that competition absolutely despite our thorough schedule preview we're gonna get into the schedule talk talk about Miami's primetime games in just a minute but first I kind of for, for Dolphin fans who are looking for a little more content here they've been getting some love you know on TV a lot lately uh, and on a couple different podcasts bringing them up first Chris Sims and Mike Florio went on for a good 20 minutes going through a position by position breakdown about the Miami Dolphins and man they said so many good things about this team it, it's a little concerning uh, but it's hard to get those uh, look at the Dolphins roster and not get those vibes. So go watch that. Those two are really great. Uh, the Pro Football Focus podcast talks about 32 fatal flaws, uh, one for each team. And they had a lot of good things to say about the Dolphins, too, about how this defense is ready to win now. And obviously the fatal flaw is Tua not only playing like he did last year, but playing worse, right? Him really regressing and not being that quarterback where the Dolphins get stuck being one of those teams like a, a Denver's or a Jacksonville a couple of years ago where they can't get over the hump. But over, overall, they do say that, you know, they're expecting big things from Tua, but that's just kind of what the the flaw could be for this team. And then there were also some videos uh, people were posting on Twitter about the um, – I think it was more Tua Love on ESPN mentioning, you know, last year going 6-3. and three, That was the best record from a rookie quarterback since Dak Prescott. Obviously, wins aren't a quarterback stat, but, I mean, I think the idea that Tua played absolutely poorly all season is a little overblown. So it's almost like all these places and these different um, publications were spinning the whole quarterback talk up until the draft, and now they're all back on the bandwagon, it almost seems, right? Yeah, it's May. I mean, you're going to kind of, you're going to squeeze everything you out, everything out of it you can. I mean, I remember, I think it must have been 2014, I was cover some fantasy football magazine, and it was Ryan Tannehill on the cover. There was like four different covers uh, for each uh, area of the country, and I just remember the hype there while people were were saying, is he ever going to take the leap? So, I mean, this is is the thrill of the offseason. I mean, we're recording two shows every week, so, I mean, you're going to kind of find a way to spin whatever you can, but, you know, when it's When they're talking good about your team, why not listen, right? Yeah, and I mean, for how many years has it been? They would just, you know, they would either completely ignore the Dolphins or when they did talk about it, it was always negative. So it's definitely nice to... It's definitely nice for it to be different. And, you know, maybe a lot of this excitement is because now they brought in a Jalen Waddle, because they fixed that offensive line, because they see 
you know, the vision in place. So um, I'm going to have to start watching more TV because I've admittedly turned it off because I was sick and tired of listening to them try to talk about something they clearly had no idea about. But Jake, schedule talk, man. We talked, we did a nice little preview, a nice juicy preview of what we didn't have at the time were the dates. And now we have the dates. And to me, uh, you know, you have it right here. The biggest thing and, you know, something that fans were a little up in arms about was that the Dolphins opened the season against New England in New England. And then week 18, they close out the season against the Patriots. So, Jake, um, you know, to me that again, I go back to Ric Flair quote to be the man. You got to beat the man. And that gets me a little bit excited because if you come like out that. of the gate week one and you beat up on New England and then, you know, you're playing for the playoffs or the division or, you know, who knows in week 18 and you're playing New England. I mean, uh, what better way to um, validate your season than to come in that way and then to go out that way? Uh, my take for week one and week 18 are pretty much the same thing. Uh, week one being at New England, it's better than being in New England in January. And week 18, New England coming to Miami, it's better than being in New England in January, right? That's kind of the place I started when I first saw these things. Uh, going back to New England week one, I, I'm all for that. I think we can kind of do to the Patriots what happened to the Dolphins last year where it was Cam Newton on opening day, what on earth is this offense going to look like with the new pieces the Dolphins have, the quote-unquote brand-new playbook. Um, the Dolphins are going to be a team that is going to be hard to cover, especially early. You're not going to know what this team's going to want to accomplish. So I'm excited for both these games. I agree with you, Josh. Week 18, uh, that, that game is going to mean something. Hey, even if, let's say, worst-case scenario, these teams are both uh, 5-11 and 11 going into the last week. It's a division matchup. Who knows? It could be George Godsey's big win as the interim head coach of the Miami Dolphins. Oh, my God. <laughs> so what much could happen in this season where... <laughs> You're right, though. I'm just going on. This May. It's May. This is what we're going to talk about. Uh, but, but yeah, no, it's it should be a, a... You know, who knows? That could be a squeezing of the end of a poor rookie year for Mac Jones, making him go into off season with fear and doubts. Even if the dolphins go, you know, 10 and eight, and that's their win by missing the playoffs, but they uh, really took it to Mac Jones in week 18. I, I can get behind that. There's a lot of ways I can enjoy that game. If the dolphins are or not in the playoff race. Yeah, I'm with you. And I think, you know, you mentioned Mac Jones. I do think, you know, the season might start with Cam Newton. We might see Mac Jones in week 18, but one thing that no one's talking about is, Tua Tagovailoa is undefeated against Bill Belichick and the New England Patriots. Good point. That's it. That is it. You better put that in a corner, write that on the board, and, and just take a picture of it every day and post it on the internet because I think we should remind people of that. Yeah, he's essentially a 72 Dolphins every time he plays uh, the New England <laughs> Patriots. So we should definitely run with that for as long as that goes on. But, um, Jake, what other games stood out to you? Because there were a few. Was there any other, you know, big primetime game? And, you know, we have to pat ourselves on the back because I think, you know, there were rumors that the Jags and Dolphins and Trevor Lawrence and two were going to play in London. But it did come to fruition. So our pre-show, we did have that game right. But what other games stood out to you coming up in the 2021 season? They have a couple of primetime games, but I mean, Josh, I kind of looked at week three, um, return to Las Vegas to play the Raiders. You know, usually in any given year, I mean, it's the Raiders, what, they're going to be like a uh, in-the-hunt team. They're going to be pretty mediocre, uh, floating around 500. But last year, I mean, that that was the game that kind of really brought up the two of fears, right? Uh, his demons are really on display. You know, Fitzpatrick comes in, wins the game. Uh, to get the Dolphins within a reach of the playoffs. So, I mean, I'd love to see week three, Tua goes in and just drops a 40-burger on the Raiders. I, I think that'd just be the greatest story. Um, I mean, you can already hear the columns about, you know, a year ago he was pulled, yada, 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 and here he is, 
the the future of the Miami Dolphins and all that jazz. I think that could be a really interesting matchup, especially early in the season. The Dolphins play a lot of tough teams. First five weeks is uh, Colts, Buccaneers, Bills, Raiders, and Patriots. I mean, that Raiders game, obviously, I don't like counting wins in May, but but that seems like one the Dolphins are going to need to win, and you can just make that feel-good story out of it. I'm getting goosebumps thinking about that feel-good story because you're right. I mean, that was the game, you know, where it did give some doubt to the fan base. Um, I, You know, I mentioned week six in the London game. I mean, who couldn't be excited about that? But week 10 against the Ravens on Thursday night football. And, you know, maybe it's just because the Dolphins have been so dreadful against the Ravens. They have been two and they are two and eight in the last 10 games that one of those wins being the Greg Camarillo overtime touchdown. So, um, you know, Jake, whether oh it's, God. you know, that playoff game that we talked about I me mean, listening to in a scrambled egg uh, radio set or that hit that Kiko Alonso put on um, Joe Flacco where he went to the wrong sideline. I mean, that it was a prime like time game too, right? I think, yeah, that was I, I think it was. And it just seems like every time these guys play, you know, they either, uh, they, they beat on us bad, but there's always some good that comes of it. But I, I would, I mean, I'm stoked to see what, some you know, uh, yeah, that, very, I'm, I'm excited so happy to see you didn't put the point differential because that point differential when you're two and eight, I know there was the 40 point game in 2018. I think a game a couple years before that was like 37 to nothing. I mean, uh, yeah, oh, all I have uh, in my yeah. notes here, Ravens in primetime. Oh, God. Like when I look at both of Miami's quote unquote primetime games, we could argue that the London game um, is a primetime game. But I mean, 930 in the morning, I'm not really going to go there. And then the Saints, Josh, week 16 on Monday Night Football. This is another one where I'm like, oh, God, the Saints, because this is a team I think about facing the Dolphins on Monday Night Football. Yep. I think about Reggie Bush in my nightmares for about two years. I remember thinking, going my first year of high school, I believe this was in like 2009, thinking this is the year the Dolphins are going to be great. And then I'm going to be able to go into school on Tuesday, talk about how we beat the Saints. And (laughs) I was dumb. Let's just say that. We, we were all dumb. I remember we were all just, you know, pooped shit-talking and getting all excited. And, again, I remember watching all of the pregame stuff and just thinking, okay, this could be different. You know, we're going to beat the Saints and start out 4-0. And, well, it wasn't Ugh. different at all. Ugh, dude, oh, my God. that there. So, I don't know who the Dolphins um, pissed off inside the, the room of people who makes the uh, schedule. But these are two teams that I wish the Dolphins did not have to face in primetime. Obviously, a Saturday game could be flexed in. A different primetime game could be flexed in. I think the Dolphins actually have one that has a date TBD. Uh, it's actually Jets. Jets in week 15. Yep. Yeah. So that is a possibility to get moved around. That I don't really I don't think so. I don't think the Jets are going to be a good enough team for that to be a possibility. Um, and the last little... The ahead. Bills, right? The Bills on Halloween? I'm just trying to think of some other games that stick out. We play the Bills on Halloween, I think. Yep. Uh, yep. And there was a Christmas a game. This year. Wow. Was there a Christmas game or somewhere? Oh, no, that was the Monday nighter, right? That's like the two days after Christmas. Yep. Yep. That, that's, okay. uh, it's Those be were a, the big ones then, yeah. Man, that ESPN, I, I can already picture it. It's, ugh. I mean, I know the Saints are different this year, and I don't think anyone expects them to be uh, what they have been with Drew Brees. But at the same time, man, it's just I think I see that emblem or that logo, and it just kind of uh, sends me to those flashbacks. Uh, Josh, one thing I want to ask you, did you hear anything about the Dolphins wanting a late bye week? They have a 14 bye week sandwich between uh, that Jets game in week 15 and the Giants in week 13. Uh, Because everyone kind of, I don't want to say up in arms, but made note that, hey, the Dolphins don't have the bye after the London game. They go right back and, and host the Atlanta Falcons. Yeah, and shame on me for not knowing who the source was, but someone did come out and say that they believe the Dolphins requested that late bye. So I don't know if that's something, you know, that's normal and, you know, but... 
I mean, when you think about it, if they're playing pretty damn well and you have that week 14 bye, you know, to get rejuvenated. And um, I don't know if you saw it going around, Jake, but I think someone sat there and tallied up the last Super Bowl winners dating back. I don't know if it was, you know, 10 years or whatever. And every year the bye gets later. And this year the bye falls on week 14. So, you know, if you believe in that type of stuff, this might be the Dolphins year to win the whole damn thing. Sure, sure. Let's believe in it. (laughs) Not only is it May, but I'll take anything that can spin the Dolphins. Um, winning the Super Bowl. Do you remember that Harvard study that had the Dolphins as like one of the top three teams in the league? Yeah, I remember that. (laughs) And I I thought, why would they be wrong? It's Harvard. And again, I was looking pretty dumb on that one. But Josh, I think that is all we have for today's show. Thank you guys so much for joining us uh, and listening. Our numbers have been fantastic this month. And, you know, I sit here and scream it's May over and over, but you guys are just as interested as ever. So we thank you for that. Uh, You can follow us on Twitter, yell at us, Provide some context. Provide some comments. Let us know what you want to talk about. Josh can be found at H-O-U-T-Z or Houts. Uh, I'm at, eight, at jmendel94. And, uh, you know, if you're enjoying the show, if you've found us, stumbled upon the show a couple times and, and like to continue this ride with us, you know, hit that subscribe button. Uh, that stuff helps us out a lot. And if you're really enjoying the show, you want to put a little pep in our steps, leave a review. Not only does that, you know, motivate us a little bit more, but that also helps others find the show. So we thank you for that. Josh, I mean, for it being May, I think we got a couple things to talk about. The Dolphins are really refreshing the roster. And uh, there's a lot of questions still to be answered about this uh, franchise. Tons of questions yet to be answered. And, you know, we're going to try to give you as many answers as we can throughout this offseason. Jake, before we get off, I, I do have to ask, you know, we both gave our predictions for the schedule. Give me your give me your schedule prediction now that, you know, the dates are official and all that. Is it still um, 11 wins? I think that's what you said, right? All right, we're doing it speed run. Win, at the, you win week one against the Patriots. I'm going to say it. You're cocky Dolphins fan. We're going to win week two against the Bills. We're going to win week three at the Raiders. And we're going to win week four at the Colts, right? We start the season four, you know, look at us. Uh, you lose to the Bucks. The Bucks are a great team. Uh, you beat the Jaguars. We're up to five and one. Falcons, I'm going to put as another dub, six and one. Buffalo Bills at Buffalo. I think that's going to be tough. The Bills, I think, are going to be a good team. Uh, we're down to six and two, I believe. Houston, <laughs> uh, seven and two. Baltimore, Josh, the Dolphins are going to lose games. They're going to be 7-3 and three, uh, after facing the Ravens. You get a long week after that. You go to New York. You pick up a win there. You are 8-3. and three, I think we're at. And then Carolina Panthers, I think that's a team where they're a few years behind what the Dolphins are trying to accomplish. I think that's another dub. We go to 9-3. and three. The Giants, this is one where the Dolphins really showcase themselves as one of the teams to beat in the AFC. Uh, moving to 10-3 and three with the win. You walk into the bye feeling really good with a 10-3 and three record, Josh. Could you imagine? No way this happens. But being in May, I think it's good to ride these hopes and dreams. Uh, Jets, we're going to put that up as another win. Go to 11-3. and three. But then they stumble. They stumble into the playoffs. They lose to the Saints. They lose to the Titans. We have to listen to a week of Ryan Tannehill torture talk before winning against the Patriots and taking um, their seat in the playoffs as a wildcard team, I'd assume, with the Bills uh, winning the division. I like it. I mean, I can't keep up with what you said, so I think you got 12 wins there. Is that right, or was it 11? I think it was 12. I, I think it... 12, yeah. 12 okay. and uh, I, I can't do math because of the, what, 17-game season. Yeah, 12 and 5. Yeah. I like it. I mean, I was going to say 17-0, and 0, but if I'm being honest, I nice. think, you know, before before we even talked about this, I think I was pretty convinced they were going to 10-7 to make the playoffs because that would be so Dolphins. But, you know, just seeing the draft and seeing the way the schedule lines up, I think they're going to win more than 10 games. So let's win 12 games and, and shock the world. That would be great. And my apologies for anyone who listens that on a, a double speed or anything like that. I just wanted to sprint through that and not waste too much time. Thank you guys so much for listening. And always, the most important thing that we can say during this podcast is... 
fins up. Fins up, baby. Thanks for listening. That was Finsider Radio, part of the Finsider.com and the SB Nation Network. Miami has the Dolphins, the greatest football team. We take the ball from goal to goal like no one's ever seen. We're in the air, we're on the ground, we're always in control. And when you say Miami, you're talking Super Bowl, because we're the Miami Dolphins. Yes, we're the